Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're continuing through the book of Matthew. We're in the fifth chapter. And we're seeing Jesus' teaching, chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's all red letters. Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain, and he's teaching the disciples and the crowds. And remember what he said. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. <coughs> I came to fulfill the law. And he's giving them examples of this. And he's doing it in an intriguing way because he says, hey, you've heard that the ancient said, you shall not commit murder. And this is a reference to the, uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, he says this all the way through. But he says, you've heard that they said this, and he's not saying that wasn't true. He's saying, this is true. But then he says, but I say to everyone who is angry with his brother that you're going to be guilty before the court. And then he came along and he dealt with a lust. And he says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is starting to reveal to them that what the, uh, he's talking about are the matters of the heart, that the law is not good enough to transform your heart. The law does what it does, okay? It reveals sin. It defines sin. gives us the boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. But he's giving them more. So let's continue. We're going to pick up in verse 31. And um, in this passage, he, he says it this way. He says, it was said. Okay, verse 31 starts out with, it was said, the same type of thing that you have heard it said. And now it's going beyond uh, the Ten Commandments, but it's going to things that are in the law. All these things, by the way, are capitalized, which means they're in the Old Testament. So listen to verse 31. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So that was said over in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. But listen what Jesus says, verse 32. But I say to you, so it's the same pattern that he's shown. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So he's picking up on this idea that he shared with the lust thing, that if you look upon a woman, you've committed lust in your heart. He's given them some definition because divorce was running rampant in that society just like it is today, you know? Uh, it was actually easier to get a divorce then than it is today. And they were divorcing for any small reason, okay? Any reason, you just wrote your wife uh, a piece of paper, a certificate of divorce, and you sent her away. That's why it's described this way, that, that the, everyone who divorces his wife, the divorce literally means, uh, the word literally means to send them away. Okay, just to send them away. And he says the only reason to do this is for the reason of unchastity. But even with that reason, folks, now listen to this carefully, even for that reason, it's not a requirement. It's not a requirement of the law or a requirement of the Lord. Too often we as believers think that if somebody has been unfaithful, then it's automatic <laughs> that you need to divorce them. That's it. The scripture allows for it. The scripture does allow for it. 
God allows for it. God does allow for it, but he still hates divorce. He still hates the divorce. And so we don't need to view this as a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I think a lot of people who are believers do that. They treat it that way. And so what should we do? Well, we'll see as we go along, but what's the greater portion of the teaching of the Scripture? What has the Lord said? What's he going to say later on? What does he say throughout the Word? That we are to love one another. We are to forgive one another. Okay? We're to forgive one another. And, you know, we sit there and say, well, you know, uh, will God forgive somebody who's divorced? I tell you, if you looked at the church, sometimes you, you can argue that there's extremes both ways. There's a portion of the body of Christ that if someone has gone through a divorce, uh, they think that they are restricted, that, yes, God will forgive you, but you're not going to be able to do certain things anymore. And you really don't see that in the Scripture. Now, they'll come along and they'll say, oh, well, the Bible says this right here, and they'll misinterpret it. They'll misapply it. That happens all the time with all sorts of subject matters, right? But we nearly act like, well, I'm not going to say nearly act like. There are churches, and I know them. I've been in them, folks, to where they will sit there, and uh, let's say that somebody was sent to prison because of murder, and they get saved in prison. They get out 10, 15 years later. And God has moved upon them, and they are proclaiming the truth of the glory of God. They will have them come and teach and preach in their church. Well, that's wonderful. That's marvelous. We need to do that. But someone who was divorced 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it may be, they will not. And it heaps such condemnation. I've known of a couple of folks, and these are folks that are my friends. I'll deal with one from long ago, far away, literally more than 40 years ago, okay, more than 40 years ago. This guy was above reproach. I mean, he was just the most godly guy, the most wonderful guy you'd ever want to meet. And he would, uh, the local body of Christ would always try to get him to perform in some leadership roles. And he never would. And I didn't understand why. I mean, he was a great, I mean, just a knowledgeable in the scripture, just a holy, godly guy. Turns out that he had married when he was like 18 years old. And his wife left him after six weeks, abandoned him, left him, and he wound up getting a divorce. And he was convinced in his mind that because of that divorce, yes, God had forgiven him, but he literally viewed himself as being a second or third or fourth, fifth class believer, a Christian, that because of that, that he was inadequate, that he'd always have his albatross hanging over his head, that God had forgiven him, yes, but you cannot serve as in the body of Christ in certain things because of this one thing. And that's not at all what Scripture says. You know, we don't say that in relationship with what Jesus taught in Matthew 28, that if someone looks upon their heart and lusts after somebody, that they've committed adultery. Oh, I've, met, I've known many, many pious leaders within the church that actually says these kind of things, that they've been faithful to their wife and they've never done anything. They have never done but you know how they act and how they behave and how they talk and what they say, that they have committed things in their heart. But we don't sit there and say, okay, because of that, okay, you're not allowed to do this. You know, we'll just say, oh, they repented, so they're okay. So Jesus is really bringing home some things here for us, okay? He's letting us see some things right here. He's saying, you can't be flippant about the divorce thing. He says, I'll grant you. He says, if anybody divorces except for the reason of unchastity, if somebody's been unfaithful, 
then if that's the path it has to go, then that is allowed for. But even that, folks, we must allow for repentance. What if the unfaithful one comes back and says, forgive me? The spouse cannot sit there and say, no, can't do that. You messed up. That's it. I'm not taking back. I'm out of here. Why? Because we are to forgive, folks. We are to live in forgiveness. Uh, there's actually a whole biblical narrative about that with Hosea and Gomer. There's a whole picture of that. God used Hosea and Gomer as a picture of how the nation of Israel was with him and how God continually forgave them and continually forgave them and how uh, Hosea literally had to go and pursue his wife, literally had to buy her, and she stood there totally naked on the auction block, bought her back. How much more so should we forgive? Well, we'll continue on. The next one's going to be interesting with oaths. <laughs> Again, I'm Dale, and I'll see you then. <laughs> 